0: Welcome to the Sports on Point podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Smith, joined on the line, as always, by the phenom, Mr. Bob Williams.
1: Matt, I'm having a tough time between going to Ohio State and going to USC. Can you tell me where to go? National signing day is tomorrow. I'm sorry. I can't help you out with that, young man. You're going to
0: have to learn to make decisions for yourself. That's a big part of what college is all about. And, of course, the guy pressing the buttons, the man with... No college education. Oh wait, maybe he does. I don't know, Mister Pod Severns.
1: I'm having a trouble with either Krispy Kreme or Dunkin' Donuts. Which one should I go to? Because munching day is tomorrow. Help me, Matt. Help me, Obi Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope.
0: Well, I think that really depends on what you're looking to get. If you're going, if you're going Boston cream, or you're going. Cream stick, I think. Uh, I think you got different choices. they're glazed, of course, is, is Krispy Kreme. Uh, cream stick is is got to go to uh, Krispy Kreme. But if you're going for the Boston cream, man, nobody does it better than the Dunkin'.
1: Your your sage advice has saved me from donut peril. I shall go to the Dunkin' of the Donuts because I am not that big of a fan of glazed. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: Awesome. 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 (laughs) Let's talk about some sports, gentlemen. Okay, so last week in the news, of course, the University of Texas and ESPN announced their joint venture in the University of Texas Television Network, and uh, kind of a red flag that flew up at the bottom of the press release was that the network intends to, quote unquote, provide fans, students, and parents with access to extensive Texas high school sports, including football, basketball, and more through its centralized home. Okay, so a University of Texas affiliated television network is going to be broadcasting high school football, or whatever the sport may be. How, uh, how in your mind, Bob, how, how is this going to be legal in the NCAA? I, it seems to me that by giving television exposure to top tier high school athletes, you've given yourself a definitive recruiting advantage.
1: Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing in the entire thing that you just mentioned up, mentioned about was the fact that it's giving a university a top right to to sh- showcase athletes that hey, look, you can get this, you can get this type of exposure on the te- Texas Network before before you even get here. You know, yeah, we've seen a lot of the All-Star games in the off season and then you even see like the Kirk Curb Street Challenge where you bring a lot of different schools from a different, you know, around the country to play, but to put it onto an actual network of an individual university, you're gonna hear an outcry from a lot of different schools, or you're gonna see schools doing the same exact thing, uh, especially in the both the SEC and the Big 12 right now, because those schools still hold their own rights to get a, a, a channel like how Texas has.
0: Yeah, I think the main difference, obviously, is, is uh, I don't know that I don't know that you could specifically nail a, an entire conference for recruiting violations. If the if the Pac-12 or the the you know Big Ten or somebody wanted to put high school sports on their networks, yeah, it's still a bit of a conflict of interest, I would say. But uh, I don't know I don't know the the if the NCAA bylaws specifically outline rules against conferences and their broadcasting of high school sports. But I, I was able to look at uh, at some of the laws that uh, are written about, uh, about the scenario. Apparently, and uh, this is directly from the NCAA code, uh, in regards to radio and television shows, a member institution cannot permit a prospective college athlete or high school, college preparatory school, or two-year college coach to appear, be interviewed, or be otherwise involved in person or via film, audio tape, or videotape on, and then, Option number C is a program for which a member of the institution's athletic staff has been instrumental in arranging the appearance of the prospective student-athlete or coach or related program material. That sounds to me, obviously, in plain English. English plain English. In plain English. In like, plain English. Like a high school kid cannot be appearing on a program or channel that has been arranged by anyone from the University of Texas. And if that is the rule and that's what's going to be protected, I can't help but imagine that the NCAA is going to have to have a full-time person designated strictly to monitoring the stuff that goes on at the Texas Television Network.
1: Yeah, definitely. It, we consider, you know, blow smoke in everyone's ass about how, oh, hey, look, the NCAA is going to do this, going to do that. Until the NCAA come out and, and, and says something about this, it'll be interesting to to, to see how this actually progresses and see how's it, how it takes shape because I, I highly doubt that this gets off the ground if the NCAA wants to keep any sort of uh, actual credibility here. Well, I think
0: they've shown over the past couple of months that credibility is not exactly what they're looking for.
1: I guess that is true, but in this sense, you you have to keep it. You, you know, I understand that Texas is one of your brands, just like Ohio State, just like Florida, or the entire SEC. You know, like USC. <laughs> but th- there comes a point where you have to step up and be that governing body that you're supposed to be, because you know that once this starts, it you you're going to lead to the Pac-10, the Pac-12 with their conference, and even the big the Big Ten and the sec to be doing this on a conference level which okay i don't mind a conference level if the big network wants to show you know big games of people in illinois indiana wisconsin i have no problem with that because that's just getting exposure out there for every kid not just these star kids where this texas network is just getting direct funneling to texas
0: Yeah, and again, like I said earlier, I don't know that uh, the direct correlation between a conference television network and a high school athlete can lead to a recruiting advantage for any individual school. Um, I I guess you could look at a conference like the Pac-12 and the Big Ten and say, hey, you know, the the obvious poster boy for those conferences are Ohio State and USC, and maybe by putting them on those networks, those two schools get an advantage, but at the same time, that's not a straight line that you can draw. A little bit more difficult for the NCAA to enforce, but this one, this one to me is a smoking gun, uh, uh, and and I, I'd be interested to see how long it's allowed to uh, allowed to go on without either a change in the management setup of the Texas network or a change to the policy on broadcasting high school sports. And of course, um, one of the uh, one of the famous high school athletes from the University of Texas, or I should say from the state of Texas, who then attended the University of Texas was Mr. Vince Young, who was let go not too long ago. Actually, I don't believe he's actually officially been let go, but it's been announced that he will not be retained as the Tennessee Titans quarterback. A lot of people out there assumed that that meant that the job of Titans coach Jeff Fisher was safe because of the ongoing battle that he had with owner Bud Adams about said quarterback Vince Young. But surprisingly, earlier this week, it was announced that Jeff Fisher will not be returning as the Titans head coach next year. A uh, little bit of an odd development in this story, I don't think any one of us really saw this coming.
1: No, not at all. Uh, I randomly stumbled upon, I think I think it was Twitter, check, checking our Twitter feed and saw that Jeff Fisher had you know announced his retirement and I'm just like, wait, wait, what? Like this is the same guy who just kept his job Bud Adams is like hey we're going to keep him here we're going to keep him here and then he goes out on his own and says hey yeah you know it's time for me to to part with the uh, organization I don't blame him for it but it's just kind of shocking
0: sure and you know I think a lot has been made about the fact that Jeff Fisher is the you know NFL's most tenured coach or I should say was with 17 years in the same team Uh, you know the next closest guy I think is Andy Reid he was only like 11 or 12 seasons so I mean big disparity between him and even number two but uh, a lot was made about it but I think a lot of people are are kind of looking at Jeff Fisher as more of the idea of who he is rather than what his coaching record actually indicates. Let's not forget that his his coaching record is just over you know uh, 500 at 142 wins to 120 losses. I mean it's not I shouldn't say it's just over 500 but it's not mind-boggling it's not like he's got an incredible career record and you know he hasn't won a playoff game since 2003 is let's see career playoff record is five and six so not really astounding there um i think if you're in this situation and you're bud adams um and you don't like the direction that the team is going you don't like the moves and, and decisions that the coach is making um uh, I don't see any problem with letting him go. Like I said, a lot's made of his tenure in the league, but it's it's not like he's been mind boggling as a head coach.
1: Like I, I guess the, the closest comparison that I I can give to you would probably be Jerry Sloan in the NBA. Uh, yeah, he probably wins at a better clip and, and has done a little bit more, but he hasn't won the big one. But it it comes down to like you were saying it, the actual involvement with the owner and how he saw the franchise going, and he saw that it, you know it was time to, to okay yeah fine you can step away no problem, and and I I have no problem with that you know Bud Adams is doing what's great for or is doing what's best for his organization and what he thinks will kind of take. Tennessee back onto the right track because the past few years it's been a hit or miss with their games you know they'll have the really good streaks which are preceded and then followed by really horrible football so I I, I think this is just, just perfect timing for Jeff Fisher to sort of get out and we'll see if we see him on ESPN really soon
0: well it seems like they hire every coach who's been ousted from their former position so uh, it seems pretty likely but uh, I guess to clarify the situation a little bit Um, the disagreement obviously that Coach Fisher and Bud Adams had going for years about Vince Young um, appears that there was a little bit more to the relationship between those two than that Uh, they had a series of meetings after the season ended this year where they discussed the direction of the team and and ideas and goals for the future and then apparently after the meeting and, and from what I understand this is something that's come from both sides is that uh, after these meetings and these, these uh, projections were agreed upon, everything kind of re- returned to the same old, same old, and that was when the two, the two parties kind of had a, another sit down and, and agreed that maybe Parting Ways was the best for, for both, camp, uh, both the team and Coach Fisher. Uh, I guess the question is, they haven't officially released Vince Young, but Adams was originally a big Vince Young fan. Do you think the releasing of Coach Fisher uh, paves a way for Vince Young to continue to be the Titans quarterback
1: uh, I doubt it I, I everything that i've been seeing is that they're they're looking to not even move him in a trade, just sort of get rid of him or or just take a step away from that direction and, and I think that's probably good for the organization they don't need a quarter a game-changing quarterback and we saw that they really don't have the wide receivers to to sort of step up and and do that uh they need to rely on chris johnson i know he had a down year this year but he's, he's definitely the building block that you have to work with i know they have a shorter uh span than just your typical quarterback but you have a guy there who who's definitely worth the effort who can easily come in there and, and carry your team. So, you know, start start over. You know, you can get a few guys in the off, free agency. There's definitely a few quarterbacks out there that they can possibly go get or even draft, and they can kind of help build around with Chris Johnson.
0: Yeah, I think um, I think you're right. I think Vince Young is not going to be staying in Tennessee. I, I personally see him ending up in a place like Minnesota. Uh, maybe Washington or even Oakland, some places that are looking to to stabilize the quarterback position a little bit. Let's 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 not forget that Vince Young. Whether you like him or whether you don't, he is a quarterback who has improved statistically, um, at least in the quarterback rating department, which is uh, I think we can all agree is the most standardized way we have of measuring uh, quarterback success he has actually improved every single season since he's been in the league so this isn't a uh this isn't a player that that uh has been terrible in the pros and a lot of people speculate that his lack of success has been more attributed to the play calling and wide receivers out in tennessee so it'll be interesting to see where young ends up i personally don't know that i think he's a franchise quarterback but he'll find a starting spot somewhere else in the nfl and uh well it'll be interesting to see how he does there so that's uh, that's kind of where we stand on the Vince Young Jeff Fisher scenario out in Tennessee. If you have any comments or questions, make sure you hit us up on the website or hit us up on Facebook, on Twitter, or give us a call at the phone six number four I can six never
1: remember. 39 point. Six six
0: point. Hot, <laughs> hot, I- okay, so you may or may not have heard, guys, but there's a football coming a football game coming up this Sunday that uh, uh, I think a few people are going to be watching across the country. Really? Yeah. Super Bowl Sunday. Oh, Super Bowl? Super Bowl! Super Bowl. I know, I know. You guys thought the Pro Bowl happened last week and it was so incredibly good. I know. That, How could there be anything else? But no, alas, there is the Super Bowl, the 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 feast that uh, that now follows the appetizer that is the uh, uh, Pro Bowl, which I, I guess you could go as far as to say the unappetizer. Yeah, I, I would say the appetizer will be the game, and the feast for me will be the commercials.
1: I like Super Bowl commercials, but then you'd be having the appetizers and the feast at the same time. Okay, I like food. <laughs> yeah, what's wrong with that? I, I agree with Bob. Why not?
0: Fair enough. All right, so two of the most, the two of the most historically successful teams in the entire NFL matching up in what I can only imagine was Roger Goodell's uh, best case scenario: Green Bay Packers, Don Caper's defense matching up against Dick LeBeau's defense, and of course. Obviously, they won't directly be matching up against them, but uh, uh, two good, very good defenses. I think someone actually had them ranked as the number one and number two defenses in the NFL. I don't know what that's based on, but uh, two very good defenses going back and forth. Uh, the the offenses, I think, uh, I think interesting. Uh, the, the Steelers have a better reputation for shutting down offenses, I think, than the than the Packers do. But then again, the Packers have a better reputation for having a vaunted offense than the Steelers did. Who do you think's got the advantage on the offensive
1: side of the ball? Uh, offensive side of the ball? I'm, I'm going to probably say Packers, but it's going to depend on how well James Starks does. Uh, he's kind of come up very big for them throughout the uh, postseason, especially in the Philadelphia game. If he can give them any sort of uh, reliable option to release the pressure on Aaron Rodgers, I definitely give them the, the overall better offense but you know in chance you know yeah they have Roethlisberger and uh, Mendenhall over on Pittsburgh side so you, you definitely can't sleep on them
0: sure and uh, you know Roethlisberger has been the all time clutch uh, performer the, the guy who's better on third and long than anybody else in the entire NFL um, thanks to whoever it is that keeps track of those type of type of ridiculous stuff I think his name is Skippy <laughs> <laughs> Skippy the stat Guy. Skippy the Statistician. Stat- yes. Statistician. Yes. A- Skippy the Statistician. <laughs> there will be a theme song next week. Fair enough. All right. So, so yeah, Ben Roethlisberger, you can never count him out. Richard Mendenhall, I, th- I think, was the real beast that carried them past the Jets in the AFC Championship game. So uh, a lot to watch for from those two guys. But I, I agree. When you look at total overall talent... Yeah, they've got Roethlisberger, they've got Mendenhall, they've got Heinz Ward. But if you think about it, what's Heinz Ward most famous for being great at? Blocking as a wide receiver and smiling all the time. None of those two things are really all that explosive. Although the little things tend to make a big difference, especially in the running game. That smile is explosive. It is explosive. It's kind of Cheshire Cat esque. It's it, it is a little freaky. It's a it's line. a
1: freaky smile.
0: So. Uh, I'd have to agree. The talent definitely is on the Packers' side. A um, lot more explosive players. Of course, Donald Driver, the, the famous rags-to-riches story, the guy who was selling drugs on a street corner and now is one of the best receivers in the NFL, I think is, uh, is always the kind of story you want to hear. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm really glad that we don't have to hear endless stories about how Jerome Bettis is from Detroit this year. Anytime that uh, we can avoid that obnoxiousness, it's, it's always good. But uh, definitely talent on the Packers side defensively, I think is interesting because everybody knows about the Steelers defense. defense. Everybody knows Dick LeBeau. Everybody knows the Blitzburg, uh mantra that uh, tends to float out there in Pittsburgh. And I don't think that uh, I don't think the Packers defense is as well known. But I definitely I definitely think it's a defense that needs to be reckoned with. Uh, Dom Capers, of course, the defensive coordinator out in Green Bay has done an amazing job this year developing some relatively unknown players like, uh, well, Clay Matthews III, for example, who didn't even start at linebacker in college because he was on the bench behind Ray Malayuma, or however you pronounce his last name, but... Uh, Malaluga. Malaluga. Melanoma. Yeah, so, so he's, he's kind of taken these unknown, no-name players and developed a very, very formidable defense out there in Green Bay as Good well. Good word, Matt. Good word. Formidable middle, Yes. Matt wants to punch me right in the junk mm-hmm. right now. Well, that's okay. I'll allow it. So what do you think, Bob? Do you think the Green Bay defense is on par with the Steelers' defense this season?
1: Um, I, I'm definitely going to agree with the whole idea that they're, they're underrated and, and it's going to be led by their linebacking core. You said Clay Matthews. I'm going to throw in A.J. Hawk who definitely has a nose for the ball. And and on their line, you have B.J. Raji, who came up big last week. And, and he, he, I, I don't think you can discount this team. And with the Steelers' secondary being banged up, yeah, they're going to probably play uh, Palomalu and McFadden. But McFadden, he, he's been known to get beat uh, previously, and him being injured might not be the best scenario for them, especially with Rodgers being able to throw all over the place. So I, I don't see this being a, a big explosive game at all. It's going to be a tight, you know, one score is, is going to figure it out, who, who's going to win it.
0: Ultimately, I think what this game is going to come down to significantly is going to be pressure on the quarterback. We all know that both of these teams are teams that are capable of getting a lot of pressure on the quarterback. What I think is going to end up being a, a uh, invariable that nobody can really account for is just the sheer amount of difficulty that defenders tend to have bringing down Ben Roethlisberger. Um, in fact, I, I think I was listening to an interview with Clay Matthews III, and he in, uh, in the interview had mentioned that uh, Ben Roethlisberger is taller, uh, longer, and weighs more than most of the defensive players. The Packers. So unless they're bringing B.J. Raji to bring the quarterback down, they're actually actually going into the tackles at a size disadvantage, which is not something someone rushing the quarterback is overly used to. I think um, I think that's a hard thing to account for when you're when your defense is so um, focused on pressuring the quarterback. When you have a quarterback who is so focused on not falling to pressure, that uh, it's going to make it tough for the Packers. As much as I hate to say it. I'm going to have to go with the Steelers as the winner on Sunday.
1: I don't want to say it, and I'm going to completely disregard everything you just said. And I am on the the Aaron Rodgers bandwagon uh, again. I think if they can get James Starks to to just just give him a little bit of time. Uh, whether it be in the backfield blocking or you know quick screens, quick draws to, to to alleviate some of the pressure. I think they have the offensive weapons, and I think their defense is, is good enough. Uh, it's going to be interesting their linebackers and how they spy and and get pressure to Roethlisberger will, will be the key, the, probably the biggest factor on the defense there. But I, I think they can pull it out again. Like I said, I, it, it's three to seven points is probably going to be how, how close this game is.
0: Oh, for sure. I I actually fully expect that the game will come down to um, a final drive. Not saying that the final drive will produce the points that uh, win the game, but I think it's going to come down to a final drive that at least has the potential to win the game. And uh, if that's the case, then we'll be in for yet another wildly entertaining or you know in some people's case frustrating super bowl if the steelers do in fact win i hope that you're right bob i hope that you're right and i hope that aaron Rodgers is the key to success um one thing one thing i've learned over the years is when you're rooting against the steelers it's a very frustrating life so um i hope you're right and i hope we're not too overly frustrated uh those of us who who fall on the other side of that that fan line but uh Yeah, we should definitely be in for a good matchup. And like I said, Roger Goodell is loving this, too, the big fan bases in the National Football League going head-to-head in the Super
1: Bowl. Yeah, definitely agree there.
0: Well, this has been Sports On Point. We hope you enjoyed the show. Please send your suggestions on how we can improve the show and your comments to feedback at sportsonpoint.com. You can also call the show at 646-39-POINT. That's 646-397-6468. And before we close completely out, I just want to leave you all with the Super Bowl public service announcement. No matter what anybody tells you, the Super Bowl does not account for half of the avocado sales in the United States. In fact, the Cinco de Mayo accounts for more. Spousal abuse does not significantly increase on Super Bowl Sunday. And there is no problem with sewer systems when everybody flushes the toilet simultaneously at halftime. So there you go. Enjoy your Super Bowl and don't have to worry about any of those things. I'm still worrying. Paranoid.
1: Maybe not in your house. I've flushed my toilet just when I'm in there. Okay, bye.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening, guys.